Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. All right, so I'm here with Chris Bennett. Um, I just did a podcast with Arnamancy, but the recording failed. So instead, we're going to drop a little trailer about tonight, 9 o'clock PST, Chris Bennett's Facebook live stream page. We're talking about Crowley Mass 2020, and Chris is here to give a few words about that. Yeah, yeah, stuff. check it out. We're going to fill you in on Crowley Mass. It's coming up October 12th from 11.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. PST. We got some great guests, Richard Gazinski, Long Milo Duquette, Michael Staley, and others. So uh, check out the podcast today, find out some more details. We'll tell you where to connect with this awesome free Zoom presentation coming to you from Soma Institute. BC, baby. And uh, go to Lieber420.com if you want to get more details about the live stream on Facebook tonight at 9. Ciao.
<laughs> and uh, we're uh, going to talk about uh, this event that's coming up on October 12th, Crowley Mass, and what we've got planned for that. And uh, originally, you know, before COVID, we had planned to have a uh, conference in Vancouver. We were going to call the Frater Akkad uh, Symposium of the Occult Arts after local uh, magician and uh, uh, um, uh, 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 Charles Stansfeld Jones, uh, who lived in Vancouver, and then have a retreat out here at Soma Institute where we are. It's a, a retreat space that's dedicated to sacred plant medicines. And, but then COVID hit. <laughs> and uh, so that kind of killed those gathering plans. You know, we don't want to have more than a few people here at a time right now. And so we opted for this uh, Zoom conference. And it, it's looking like it's going to be a pretty fun event. I think it's going to be well attended. Yeah, you know, like I, I think probably more people will get to appreciate it through this method than would have got to go to a, a conference in Vancouver and uh, come to come to a retreat at Soma Institute. So there's that, you know. And we've got some really good speakers lined up for this event. You know, we, we tried to get, uh, you know, some of the most noted uh, Thelemites uh, out there on board with this. And uh, we got Richard Kaczynski speaking. He's probably the foremost Crowley biographer. And he's going to be talking, uh, you know, giving a basic talk on, on Aleister Crowley, Pergarabo, uh, the life of Aleister Crowley. And uh, we've got uh, Law Milo Duquette, probably the most prolific writer uh, in the whole uh, uh, AA and Thelemic scene, I would say. Very accessible books for, for students and stuff like that, and covers, you know, the whole gambit. Well, grounded, too. Yeah, yeah, one of the most grounded, and a, a super nice guy, you know. Uh, I think if, uh, if Crowley Mass ever had a Santa Claus, it would be Baba Lon Milo Duquette. <laughs> um, and uh, it's fitting because uh, he's going to be giving a, a talk called uh, A Crowley Mass Carol. Uh, um, so well, he's uh, a great musician. Yeah, yeah, great musician as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah for he, sure, he was. He's been. He was been signed since the psychedelic seventies, right? Yeah, so yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, no. He was. He's no stranger to entheogens, is he? He's no stranger to entheogens as well. And also, we have uh, uh, Michael Staley, who's more of the Kenneth Grant Typhonian tradition, but he's got a new book out, and that's pretty exciting. And that is. Uh, Frater, uh, uh, um, the incoming Aeon of Matt, uh, letters between Charles Stansfeld Jones, Gerald Rowe, York, and others uh, from 1948 to 49. And uh, Stansfeld Jones was uh, Crowley's one-time magical son, uh, um, but they had a falling out, and uh, um, he kind of struck out on his own path, and he claimed to have this revelation in, in Deep Cove in North Vancouver, uh, um, oh, sure, uh, where we're both from. Where we're both from, yeah. Uh, in <laughs> fact, his revelation that Stansfeld Jones had was just a few doors down the street from the home that I grew up in, in Deep Cove, North Vancouver. And I grew up at 313 East 13th off Lonsdale. Oh, is that near where the OTO Lodge was there? Yeah, right down the street. Right down the street, yeah. yeah. It was on Lonsdale, you know, uh, um, in North Vancouver. And so uh, it's very interesting. He, he claimed that he had a... Uh, uh, and experienced the Aeon of Matt that usurped uh, Crowley's Aeon of Horus. And we've also got uh, uh, Jeremiah Shee, a friend of mine, also known as Frater Bacchus. He'll be given a presentation on uh, um, the 29th path of Q, uh, timely uh, presentation with all the Q stuff we've got going on out there now. And uh, our friend Richard Davis, uh, who's... Uh, um, got a rather controversial topic. He's going to be talking about breaking the binary in the new Aeon um, over some uh, uh, conflict he's run into 
about the roles of uh, uh, priest and priestess in the Gnostic Mass and gender. And that should be very interesting, you know. We want to lend our support to the LGBTQ uh, community out there and, and all sorts of people that are, are getting into Philema. Unfortunately, I had a heck of a time. We wanted to get some good women speakers, but... Uh, I, I have to say the Thelemic scene can sometimes be a bit of a sausage show. You know, you, you know who's actually really good? I covered one of her articles called Marketing Rad Trad is Dr. Amy Hale, who's got a new book on Hippocultin coming out. And she's a Thelemic huh, from her Instagram handle. Yeah, and she was just on uh, Julian Bain's thing as well. Oh, she cool. Yeah, I have a, I have a, her I have next one. Definitely her. check her out. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, hopefully next time we can balance out the uh, scales a little bit better, you know? And, and, and include all, all sorts of people uh, on it. But it was still a great uh, presentation uh, schedule, and, and it should be lots of fun, and I'll be giving a presentation as well uh, um, about uh, the role of cannabis in Crowley's magic, and particularly how this re relates to uh, uh, Francois Rabelais as well, who referred to cannabis in his great uh, 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 comedy novel, satire, uh, Gargantua and Pantagruel, where... Crowley borrowed the term Thelema, and the law of Thelema, do as thou wilt from. Uh, um, so I'll be going into a bit of detail on that, uh, Rabelais and Crowley's interesting connection uh, via cannabis, uh, which I would say is in many ways the herb of Thelema. The herb of Thelema. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that, that, that reminds me that one of the biggest first experiences you and I had together was doing Enochian working with Lon, and then going with him and Troy to Enochic Mass on the anniversary of the Book of the Law, and the attempt to smoke weed. Oh afterwards. yeah, it was. It was. The people were not impressed yeah. when I pulled out the old so Rooney. It's interesting because <laughs> if, if the sacrament was of weed was used in the original Thelema, it's fascinating that it's become sort of redacted. And even the Golden Dawn has redacted a lot of its use of entheogens by its members. They're covering up the fact. Like I had no idea that W.B. Yeats and Maud Gawne we're using what's what's the peyote and anilonium. Yeah, well, that's anilonium lewini, which is which is peyote, which we have right here, a very fine specimen so of this peyote. Is what uh, and um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Yitz was into peyote before Crowley was. He was also ingesting a lot of hashish. He preferred hashish yes. over yes, over did. peyote, um, and he got turned on to uh, both, I believe, by Havelock Ellis, the uh, the writer of sexuality from that time period. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, they, you know that goes way back, and not just Yeats. You know, like uh, Alan Bennett, uh, who was Crowley's uh, roommate and pal. Uh, you know, thought that he probably turned Crowley onto hashish, but it could have also uh, been the chemist that he was friends with, an alchemist uh, in the in the mm. Golden Dawn, whose name uh, escapes me right now. I think there's another Jones. Yeah, George Cecil Jones. Yeah, the other Jones. Yeah, the other Jones. <laughs> and uh, um, the um, uh, um, they were definitely doing. And you know, in the Golden Dawn, you know. Uh, uh, um, William Wynne Westcott uh, wrote about cannabis and it to students and uh, talked about its mystic properties and stuff like that. So, you know, there was more than a little bit of, of cannabis in that whole scene, even before Aleister Crowley came along, you know, even though he's he's kind of takes more credit for its role in magic than a lot of those guys. And elsewhere, you know, particularly in the French occult scene, too, you know, you go to Pappas's journal, Initiation, there's numbers of articles about hashish in there. And they're tying cannabis in with uh, Rabelais in, in Lovinitiation, uh, Pappas's uh, Martinus Journal. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I know that some of the members of Martinus Orders today that I'm aware of are, have gotten quite into things like DMT and other entheogens. But I know for a lot of the 20th century, I think it was sort of taboo. Seems um, like it was, yeah, yeah. It really fell out of use, you know, uh, um, at a certain point. Well, you know, I think 
physically, you know, the, the criminal laws have, have had a huge effect yeah. on that. There's definitely been, you know, some controversies at uh, 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 Thelemic-type lodges uh, in the 70s, you know, and stuff like that over drugs and, and got into trouble. And that, I think that's caused some of the, the rules against uh, that type of thing. But, you know, if you take a look at, say, like, Martin Starr's The Unknown God and stuff, it's pretty clear, you know, that... Uh, uh, cannabis use, and also uh, Richard G uh, Kaczynski's Panic in Detroit, you know, it's pretty clear that there was, like, uh, cannabis use and peyote use going on. He writes about uh, the first OTO lodge in, in Canada, in North Vancouver, on Lonsdale there, and one of the first things on the student reading list was uh, the psychology of hashish, and uh, right. they were doing experiments with peyote there in, like, 1915, and likewise, when uh, Akkad was in Detroit acting as uh, a Crowley scout to to get new recruits for the early OTO. He was like dosing people with peyote and stuff. That's, that's all pretty that's clear. And uh, likewise, you know, over in, in the California OTO, uh, uh, um, it's pretty clear from the writings of Jack Parsons that peyote use, hashish use, and other, other drugs were being used by the initiates in that area. I, I think Motto... Narked out Cullen for, 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 for cannabis, and Cullen was growing cannabis indica and stuff yeah. back then in California. So there was, you know, that was part of the scene, and uh, um, it's pretty clear, you know, that uh, Crowley intended that. I would say, you know, like its its role as uh, a, a, um, a Thelema curb is pretty clear. Crowley, you know, refers to Rabelais a number of times in his writings as Alcove Fabius Nassier, and this is an anagram for Francois Rabelais, and you'll find this on page 123 of the Book of Thought, and it precedes this big essay, the Herbal Sanctissimo Ribico, the most holy grass of the Arabs. It's like a six, seven-page esoteric essay on hashish, and, uh, you, know, for, you know, connects it right there, and he mentions this word of Rabelais, trink. Uh, um, and uh, in, in, you know, in poems and stuff like that, he connects drink with hashish and masculine, and drink is like uh, the sound two glasses make, but it's like the drink of the initiates. I, I wrote a lot about this. for drink as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wrote a lot about this in Libra 420. I've got a huge chapter on Rabelais in, in Libra 420, yeah. right? So, so I go right into it, but I'll go into more detail on this. I don't want to lay it all out right now because it'll make my talk on uh, Crowley Mass redundant. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely a big, you know, uh, uh, Rabelaisian connection with cannabis that Crowley was aware of and other occultists were aware of. Uh, A.E. Waite, in fact, referred to cannabis-infused wine as the rare drink of Rabelais. And, and yet Crowley still considered him dead weight. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Look at that about that. Um, it seems from the, so the unpublished writing you showed me of yours that Crowley really actually might have concluded that cannabis was the elixir of life. Do you think that's oh, something he just momentarily you know, uh, wrote, or, or or really? Concluded? Well, he, he he like he was in in the uh, um, psychology of hashish. He makes a reference yeah. to alchemical preparations and the the you know the great elixir. You know, um, I think he, he he was right. You know, he was rightfully connecting with it. I don't think he you know had all the details, but you know, I myself have. Uh, written extensively about the role of cannabis in alchemy, and I was able to find references to cannabis in tinctures known as quintessences or arcanums in the writings of, uh, 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 of Paracelsus, of uh, Cardano, 
of uh, uh, in the Lullian corpus and other alchemical texts, and this is what Rabelais, who called himself a master of quintessence, was also alluding to uh, 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 slightly more esoterically in, in Gargantua and Pantagruel. And uh, so it's clear that, you know, it was used by alchemists, but I think, you know, Crowley's Elixir of Life was probably something semen-related, you know, <laughs> and, uh, he, you know, he was selling, definitely selling elixirs and stuff like that. But, you know, he did have a very powerful relationship with can cannabis, and he <clears throat> um, claimed to have achieved the, uh, achieved the yogic state of samadhi yeah. in 1904, and he, although he talked a lot about in, in, in his, you know, more uh, open writings, published writings and stuff like that about achieving samadhi, he never mentioned that he was ripped on hashish on it. But if you go back to his diaries and you look at the date, you know, he talks about taking a, a, a lot of hashish and then achieving samadhi, you know, and, uh, uh, um, and uh, he, was, he, he was troubled by it. I think it was with Fuller that he really pondered this situation with because he was, well, as it... Was it genuine samadhi, or was it just chemically induced, you know? And it's important to remember, and Crowley mentioned this as well, that, that yogis in India uh, uh, um, use cannabis to achieve samadhi sometimes, so, you know, uh, yeah. um, still, still do, yeah. and still, still practice. And you see a similar practice with dervishes and Sufis, where they ingest large amounts of, of cannabis to blow away uh, uh, the ego, you know, and achieve a, a state of oblivion, you know. And it's interesting because Yarker, the Freemason who uh, Crowley was friends with in his, his OTO days, he wrote a letter on Scottish Rite's uh, uh, paper uh, to another Freemason about his own experience with cannabis and describes uh, himself achieving a state of oneness of the universe, which is the state of samadhi. Uh, uh, samadhi. So yeah. uh, um, even, you know, so, so, so it was going around there quite a bit. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because uh, I think... Yogic paths as well. I grew up in the Maharishi path in my family, and they were very anti-drugs in the Maharishi tradition. But so even in in the Eastern paths, there's these, this hot debate about the appropriateness of of psychedelics, entheogens, cannabis, and all of these things, right? You know, it's it's like the 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 reality that is you know induced partially by a substance. You know, I don't think anybody you know just smokes cannabis. You're going to achieve samadhi. It takes practice and stuff like that. There's more to it. But it can be a tool in the box to achieve these types of states, same way it's used in the ma magic. It, you know, it takes application, you know what I mean? You can smoke cannabis all day and uh, play with your Xbox, and you're going to achieve one state of consciousness. And you could be a, a, a yogi in India, sitting on the banks of the Ganji River, uh, doing your Hatha Yoga poses and partaking of a chillum in honor of Shiva. And you're going to have a very different experience, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because a lot of it has to do with intent and set and setting and things like that, right? And, and past work, you know, the, your own level of development, you know, and that was something that Crowley said, well, maybe, you know, I did achieve samadhi, but there's more to it than just the drug, you know, it's either past life or practice or something like that in combination with it. And I, I think that's important to remember when, when using these psychoactive substances. And, and you know, I, I think that Crowley's life, too, is, is a good lesson uh, uh, um in the sense of a test pilot for people interested in using magic and, and, and drugs together, uh, because it didn't always go great, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Cephalu seemed pretty rough to me from the accounts that I, I've read, read about it, and I think a lot of that was the types of drugs they were using, you know, uh, heroin and cocaine and uh, a lot of these hard drugs, you know? It makes you think of the uh, you know, development of, of human beings experimenting with what plants they could eat and not eat, 
from the beginning of time, right? How many how many people died before they discovered? Oh, that's not so good. Yeah. In quantity or at all. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's we didn't we don't learn in high school how much these drugs played a role a hundred years ago. Or you know, thousands of years thousands ago, of years origins ago. of religion. You know, like one of the things uh, that happened this year was uh, that archaeological evidence out of Israel. Uh, showing that in, in the temple rites that they were burning uh, cannabis resins and stuff like that in order to, you know, invoke the spirit of the Lord, right? This is something that I've been written about for a couple of decades yeah. or more before uh, the discovery of this archaeology. And it's also something that Crowley was quite aware of, you know. Uh, he did talk about in the psychology of hashish, you know, the important role of psychoactive substances at the beginning of religion, you know, and I think that is, you know, in, in, in his book, The Book of the Law as well, you know, makes it clear the important role uh, uh, of, you know, all he tells you to tell you about strange drugs and ask you to burn his, in, you know, burn the incense before me and all these types of things having to do with, uh, with, with, with drugs right in the Book of the Law, right in his main book, you know, so uh, um, it was important to him in the beginning of his own religion and he recognized it in the beginning of other religions, you know, and uh, in De Herbo Sanctissimo Aribico, uh, um, the essay on hashish that what he originally wrote for, for Charles Stansfeld Jones in Liber Alif, uh, um, he makes it very, very clear, uh, the profound role, and even connects it with the, 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 the myths of the grail and other things, and a lot of this is panned out, you know, uh, um, there's a lot of evidence yeah. that, that, that now you just kind of hits on a few things, but if you really know the history of cannabis and you really take a look at the things, those few things that he just touches on have really panned out. It's shocking. It's really shocking. I mean, all throughout seminary, they, they just sort of glossed over all of these things, even the issue of cannabosum in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Right, Sula Bennett's discovery was, was brushed aside because it wasn't convenient to the cultural milieu. Yeah, yeah. Time. He also, you know, like the, the Zeitgeist of uh, of the Book of the Law, you know, it also kind of uh, um, picked up this this gender kind of blurring that's taking place in, in this time period, you know, and that's interesting to have Richard Davis on board because of that, because, you know, Horus is really like the child of Osiris and Isis, and is like the combination of the two ages, and, yeah. and you know, and, and, and it is got a lot of uh, uh, um, trans kind of not uh, androgynous, but like you know, both kind of sexes together. Still, still that more than you know, sort of. Well, he's a little. He's somewhat parthenogenic for us, right? Yeah. Conceived when Osiris is already dead. Yeah. You know, so he very much is an amalgam of different worlds. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's one of the reasons he is uh, capable of avenging Osiris is because he's one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. And uh, that's very much what the union of the chemical wedding of the sun and the moon is all about, right? And, yeah. And uh, discovering that the role of drugs had more to play in that these days than we knew or than we were supposed to know is, is it's profound. Yeah. yeah. I made a note about... Yeah, well, even... It's funny how, how even, like, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn has made a strong effort to redact any reference to their early members yeah. using entheogens of, of any sort. Mathers was quite against it. Mathers was quite against it. Yeah, Mathers was quite against it. Westcott was into yeah. it, but Westcott kind of got forced It's funny how people up. who drink a lot tend to have issues with entheogens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and, and Blavatsky as well. Like, she, according to her uh, lifelong friend, uh, um, I'm just trying to think of the guy's name here. I know him, know him real well. But anyway, A.L. Rawson, the artist A.L. Rawson, was a lifelong friend of, uh, of Blavatsky's and who she attested to his... Uh, 
uh, honesty and, and being a fourth with God. Uh, and he talked about her use of hashish, you know, and she didn't really talk about that much. I mean, once in a while she wrote even despairing stuff about it, but according to Rawson, you know, she claimed to have had experiences of previous lifetimes and other things like that under the influence of hashish. And I think, again, there was maybe some sort of guilt trip about having to use a drug in order to achieve these states. And I think even with uh, um, Pascal Beverly Randolph, who is, you know, according to uh, uh, Devney, the, the biographer uh, uh, that has written about him extensively in his wonderful book on uh, uh, Pascal Beverly Randolph, a, a Rosicrucian and Sex Magician, uh, a, a, a black African Rosicrucian and Sex Magician, um, he, he, he claims that Randolph was at one time the biggest importer of hashish into uh, North America during like the Civil War era period, right? And, uh, but at times, you know, it's pretty clear that he struggled with this issue as well. And I think it's always been kind of uh, a, a problem, you know, like for people, is it legit? You know, I took something to achieve this state. But really, you know, all of our whole consciousness and experience is all ingesting and being part of it. And we're always taking things that affect the consciousness, every type of food we eat, all of it. Yeah. And uh, it's just different levels of it. Everything from religious regalia to incense to magical names and mottos is all used to affect our consciousness and change our brain chemistry. And the idea that there's a hard and fast line between um, actual spirituality and in the new ageistic sense and then just druggies and drug use is, is so artificial and, and such the result of, of problems in the last hundred years from the war on drugs to everything else, you know, the criminalization. How long, speaking of which, how long has uh, Canada had peyote uh, made be legal? Uh, pay, no, pay, peyote's always been legal in Canada. What That's happened amazing. was um, when they were going to schedule it, uh, when they were scheduling masculine, they realized they would have had to create a religious exemption for the Native American church, which used it uh, ritually. And they were worried this would open it up to other religious exemptions, like particularly Rastafarians seeking exemptions for uh, the religious use of uh, cannabis. And so they thought, oh, we'll just leave it off the schedule instead, because it's so hard to get in Canada. It doesn't grow here naturally, or it's too cold a, cold a climate. They figure if you can uh, get it here uh, somehow, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's never really been like something that too many people could access. Um, uh, um, I myself, you know, am a, an acquirer of rare, rare goods and have actually sold a lot of uh, peyote in Canada, both dried and live, and uh, tried to celebrate what freedoms we can here legally at uh, Soma Institute. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's a beautiful place to uh, do these things. Right. Got some gooey hashish here, actually, yeah. right now. Yeah. Got some hashish. Got some, some hashish. hashish in you. There we go, man. Yeah. So was it is, was Lewis Carroll, who wrote Alice in Wonderland, actually also in the Golden Dawn? Well, I think it was his wife or girlfriend or something like I that. I know Oscar Wilde's wife was. Yeah, yeah. Something uh, to do I'm not sure about it. Lewis Carroll. Yeah, I don't know about that one. You know, it's uh, um, not somebody I've written a lot about myself. You know. There is like the, the interesting mushroom illusions in uh, in Alice in Wonderland, and also yeah. the hookah smoking caterpillar, who you know is generally thought to be partaking. Yeah, I made a I made a few notes from your uh, unpublished work that you showed me. Yeah, I had a like uh, originally in Lieber 420, which is a massive book, like 777 pages. I had a big chapter on Crowley. It was actually one of the first things I wrote for the book. But I had to pull that due to uh, um, space for the book. 
And so currently I'm researching a book uh, tentatively titled uh, Alistair Crowley and the Herb Dangerous, A History of Drugs in Thelema. And I'm going to take a look at the time period before Crowley and individuals, like I mentioned Yarker earlier and Pappas and other individuals that were instrumental in, in, in kind of, you know, the early days of the OTO development and stuff. And Wagner as well. Wagner, uh, according to uh, his foremost biographer from the time period he was living in, was turned on to uh, Indian hemp extract by Schopenhauer. And uh, um, um, this, this experience led to the production of Parsifal, which is a, a very important uh, work in, in regards to OTO and the, and the Gnostic mass. And it's interesting... Uh, um, <coughs> pardon us. Pardon us. Uh, they, someone said we need to make the Crowleys fight. There we go. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah, there's Actually, no it's too bad they can't see that statue. You mind if I turn this machine? Oh, that's a, that's, I love that statue. There we go. There we Bring go. him in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great and uh, there was even like uh, a, a German novel written in like 1885 <coughs> about this guy. He's dosing up on Indian hemp extract and going to Wagner's Parsifal, and he's like saying, I think there's a secret hashish cult. Uh, <laughs> it, right? It's fascinating. I wrote all about it. No, uh, really? uh, if, you, if you Google Wagner and hashish and my name, Bennett, you'll get this article, and I go links to the actual source material that I'm talking about. And uh, it, it's... it's uh, uh, um, yeah, you know, I, I, it is what it is. It's, it's pretty interesting stuff, man. But definitely there was a lot of hashish around there. Well, so the, the hashish scene before Crowley, then Crowley's own interest in hashish and peyote. I'll discuss things like uh, cocaine and heroin, but I'm not going to give a lot, of, a lot of space to that. I'm going to more focus on the, what I think were the more positive uh, endeavors he took with uh, psychoactives, you know. And, and on peyote, I really recommend the work of Patrick Everett. He's got a couple of awesome papers uh, um, uh, oh, the, the signal keeps quit. Oh, gee, that's too bad. It's, it's mountain. Yeah, we, we're up in the mountains here, so unfortunately, uh, it sounds like the, the signal's a little spotty. But it'll be on YouTube. No, I don't have it recorded for YouTube. <laughs> but we'll download the recording and post it on YouTube. Well, will this record that? Yes. Perfect. Yes, we're good. It'll be on YouTube. Plus, it'll be on the Magic Without Fears podcast, which you can also hear a, a nice interview with Frater Bacchus. Um, Jeremiah Shee, who will be presenting at Crowley Mass. Yeah. And so he and I talked uh, a few days ago for a few hours about what he's doing and his background in all of this. Oh. Yeah. <coughs> cool. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to see Jeremiah out here. Yeah. That's going to be fun. So, yeah, you can check out. And also, Chris did an hour with me on Magic Without Fears, which I do a lot of Rudolf Steiner and uh, academic research in the occult from the European universities, but. Also, uh, post bits of prayer and ritual work in Kabbalah and uh, long three, four hour interviews with people that go off the rails. So, check that out. Cool. I just realized I'm smoking a joint. There you go. You, 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 you were so, so surreptitious. There we go. This is how Crowley did it. This is how he did it. He was just talking and talking. Next thing you know, you were high. <laughs> Well, sorry about the bad connection, apparently. Uh, um, it is what it is. We can't really do much about that. And so, anything else you want to talk about? 
I, I, I'm curious to know a bit more about um, some of the presenters that are, or the present. what's, is it Staley? Michael Staley? Yeah, I don't know much about him, what's his background? Well, he's, he's part of, you know, kind of into the Typhonians, <coughs> into a lot of uh, Kenneth Grant stuff, um, I brought him on board because he's got this new book coming out about uh, Charles Stansbell Jones, the incoming alien of Matt, and, uh, um, and where's he from, for example? He's, he's from the UK. Oh, really? Well, where's where he from? Yeah. We were going to bring him out for the conference and stuff, and then, you know, COVID hit. Yeah, yeah, it was going to be a big conference and a retreat following that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's some cool stuff. And there's hash in that. There's hash in this as well. That explains that. <laughs> I'm not really so into doing this with the bad <coughs> connection, so why don't we... Tie it up. Do what uh, thou wilt. Do what thou wilt, and uh, we'll see you for Crowley Mass, October 12th, 11.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Be there and check it out, and uh, <coughs> it should be a lot of fun, man. And uh, sorry about the rough connection. Footnote to this recording of our uh, Facebook live stream. Uh, there won't be any problems after looking into it with the Zoom conference since the Facebook live stream is a much uh, weaker channel even uh, on our internet up in the mountains. And with the Zoom, we will be streaming from one device as well as plugged into the Ethernet. So everything should be fine for that. And we look forward to seeing you all there. Go to Libra420.com to uh, register and get more information. Peace. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with 
the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now, hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.